My name is Jason Heath. I'm one of the pastors here at Kingwood Church. Pastor Jay is out of town uh, with his son Tyler and Connor. He's actually dropping Tyler off today in Waxahachie, Texas for college, where Tyler will attend there for a couple of years, and hopefully when he gets out, he'll be a minister, right? <laughs> what, a, what a great time, and what a joy to be dropping your kid off uh, with such a call on his life. You know, all of our pastors have been wearing these shirts as we preach in the sermon series, and it has simply states our vision on here. We're in a sermon series about our vision, which is a movement of hope. Man, that is a, a powerful vision, and on the back of our shirts, we actually have all of our vision statements listed there. And if you have a friend, like I do, who persists to wear Auburn clothes to church every single Sunday, like my friend Brent Todd here, you need to buy them a shirt and give it to them and say, look, don't wear that ugly Auburn mess anymore. Here at Kingwood Church, we're a movement of hope. Sorry, man, that, that just came to me. I'm, I'm picking on you today. <laughs> and, we, and finally, we actually have soap tonight uh, at 530. That is our monthly prayer and worship service uh, that we have each month, the third Sunday of each month. And tonight, we're praying specifically for all of those students, parents, teachers that are going back to school. I know that is a uh, heavy time for them, and they need the Lord when they go back to school. And so we're going to be interceding for them tonight. So please come at 5.30, worship the Lord and pray. It's going to be an incredible time. I got a question for you this morning. And then Pastor Jay has a special message just for this sermon series. Question, why does, not did, why does, present tense, Jesus choose to eat with sinners? Why does Jesus choose to eat with sinners, to eat with the prostitutes, the broken, and the lonely. Why does Jesus choose to eat with sinners? Here's a message from Pastor Jay this morning. And that means doing everything in our ability to remove every barrier to Jesus. Every time we send a missionary, go on a missions trip, we're removing a barrier. When we welcome someone from a different race or background from ourselves, we're removing a barrier. Every month I meet a family or a few families who say, I've watched online for four weeks or even up to a year, and today's my first Sunday in person. Technology is allowing us to remove barriers. There are tens of thousands of people in our community with no church family who are one invitation away from finding hope. Today, we're talking about living the belief that anyone can find Jesus. Why does Jesus eat with sinners? I'll tell you why. Because He lived the belief that anyone, in any circumstance, from any background, dealing with anything going on in their life, Every barrier could be removed and they could find a relationship with Jesus. Here at Kingwood Church, we live the belief that anyone, say that with me this morning, anyone, that anyone can find Jesus. Come on, you're sitting here today, right? <laughs> you're sitting here today. Some of you needed someone 
to lead you to Jesus. They needed you to, to tell you the gospel because you were so bound up in sin and change that only Jesus could set you free. Come on, who in here is glad this morning that you have the freedom of Jesus in your life? In 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul writes this to the Corinthian church, and he says, In all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task. Say us. Come on, he's given us the task of reconciling people to him. You see, church, without you, if you don't sit with sinners, if you don't choose to dine with sinners, then no one will come to Christ. Yes, we have the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Spirit of God tugs on people's hearts. But God has chosen to use us, everybody say us. God has chosen to use us to reconcile people to Him. So without you, without us, people cannot and will not come to meet Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says this. When Jesus heard this, He told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Those who know they are sinners. Come on, sinners know they're sinners. Sinners know they're living in sin. You don't have to tell them that. You don't have to go down the list and list every single wrong in their life. You know what sinners need? They need someone to tell them about Jesus. They need someone who cares. They need someone who will lay aside themselves, their wants, for just a few minutes and talk to them about Jesus. You know, when I was in college, I needed somebody to tell me about Jesus. And I came home from class one night, and I was taking an evening class and the door to my bedroom was locked, and someone was on the inside. And I go in the living room and said, Dad, who was in my bedroom? He said, Your aunt's been in there for about four hours. I said, Four hours? What is she doing in my bedroom? And I began to knock on the door, and she opens the door with tears streaming down her face, and she says, I've come here because God has led me here, and I'm not going to leave you alone until you give your life to Him. I go in my bedroom, there's anointing all on my sheets, on my wall, on my CDs. I said, you have lost your mind. What are you doing? And she says, God's called you, and I'm not stopping. I'm not leaving you alone until you give your life to Him. Come on, we need people like that. God uses individuals to lead others to Christ. And God had been dealing with me personally and individually. And I, I couldn't get there on my own. But God laid it on my aunt's heart to not leave me alone until I met Jesus. And I'm so thankful for her doing that in my life. I'm so thankful for her being that person. 
You know, there's a lot of you in here today, whether it was a, a Sunday school teacher or a children's pastor or a friend or a family member, a loved one, somebody led you to Jesus. Now, who is the person that's waiting on you to find Jesus? See, at Kingwood Church, we live the belief that anyone can find Jesus. You know, traditions didn't lead me to Jesus. Pews, chairs, whatever you choose, they didn't lead me to Jesus. All of those things that we think of. Listen, the first, second, and fourth verse of a song didn't lead me to Jesus. It might have told me about Jesus, but it didn't lead me to Jesus. Come on, what does the third verse of Amazing Grace even t- say? Who knows? I know we've been, we're going to be there for a thousand years, but I don't know what happens before that. That didn't lead me to Jesus. You know, some of you, there's friends that you could bring to church. You could ask. And when we were in Cincinnati, I'd ask a friend to come to church with Corey and I. And you know, it's always that Sunday when you choose to bring a friend that something weird happens. <laughs> like I promise you, you'll love our church. You'll just fall in love with it when you hear, why did that have to happen? Well, that, this was that Sunday. Brent, I had a lady in our church that I was good friends with. She had a flag ministry. You know, Mark has a flag ministry. He raises the flags every day. On the flagpole, he changes his mount for missions. This lady had a flag ministry, not of, from different countries, but she had a flag with the line of Judah on it. And every time we started worship, she would run and get that flag and just wave it back and forth. Well, that's fine. You can express yourself that way if that's you. Do that, okay? That's, that's fine with me. I'm not going to get up and wave a flag like that in worship. I, I enjoy just standing there and lifting my hands and pondering Jesus. But she loved waving flags. And this Sunday, she closed her eyes while she was doing it. And she began running down the center aisle with the flag and as she was doing it, she was hitting people on the top of the head. And I was, I was just looking, and I saw them. And I was like, no, 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 not that person. The person I invited got whopped upside the head <laughs> with a line of Judah flag. Thank God it didn't keep them from coming to Jesus. <laughs> that Sunday. But you know what? That flag didn't lead someone to Jesus. You know what led someone to Jesus? What leads people to Jesus? It's you. It's us. Everybody say us. We have the responsibility from the Lord himself to lead people to Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. This is a long passage of Scripture, so just bear with me. It'll be on the screen Behind us, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, this is where Jesus based his ministry. It centered out of Capernaum. The news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. When he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because the crowd, 
because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. You know, I can, I can still see it today. Did, did anybody attend Sunday school during the days where you had a felt board with, with little cutouts and those little cutouts would tell the story as your Sunday school teacher or your children's pastor was giving the message that day? We didn't have projectors then, right? That was before the days of even overhead projection. We would take little cutouts and they would put them on the board. I can still see my Sunday school teacher today placing the cutout of the man on the roof and dropping him through the roof where his friends brought him to Jesus. Come on, we need people to bring us to Jesus. His friends didn't give up because the crowd was so big. His friends didn't stop because the problem, the task was too large. They made a way to lead him to Jesus. Come on, there's people out there that need you to make a way to lead them to Jesus. I've got a little quiz we're going to put up on the screen this morning. I want you to gauge yourself from 1 to 10. How apathetic or passionate are you about leading someone to Jesus? Your love for people without Christ. Where do you fall on this scale? Are you apathetic? Are you on the one side or, or are you on the 10 side? Do you talk to people about Jesus all the time? I can't tell you where you are, but you can. You, you can decide in your own heart this morning, where am I? Have you ever led someone to Christ? Let's start there. Let's ask that question. Have you ever led someone to Jesus? If you haven't, you probably aren't on the passionate side, right? You probably lean a little more towards the apathetic. How many people have you prayed for today or, or last week that didn't have Jesus in their life? How many people have you interceded for? Well, if, if, if you're, you're not interceding for people, you're probably below five. Gauge yourself this morning. Where, where do you fall? Have you ever brought someone to church with you? Man, that'll, that'll give you a little increase. You can get a little more towards the passionate side if you've brought someone to church with you. Where do you fall? Or, or maybe you've never led someone to Christ. Or you rarely bring people to Jesus. And you're not praying for people at all. Well, well, circle the number where you are. Let's be realistic about where do we fall. If we're a church that believes that anyone can find Jesus, then we're going to have to get past five and on the passionate side of this scale so that people can come to Christ. Amen. Where do we fall? Where do I fall? You know, when I was in college, I made this list of people that I knew didn't know Jesus, and I'd hung out with them and went to parties with them, and I said, Lord, they, they need a life change just like I've had a life change. And so every single day at 7 o'clock in the morning, I would pull my prayer list out, and I would start going down the list. Lord, I pray that they would find you. Lord, I, I pray, I intercede right now. I know that there's barriers in their life. Remove the barriers and bring them to you. And I would just start going down the list. And I would call every single person by name. I wish I could tell you miraculously that all of them had came to Jesus. But there was one on the list that I just would not leave alone. And I pestered him and pestered him and pestered him. 
His father-in-law actually goes to church here. Actually met his, his wife here. But it was only after he came to Jesus. The day he graduated college, I used to live in Fox Valley Apartments. You know the one that, that burned down? That was my apartment on the top floor. He shows up at my apartment door and he knocks on the door. And I open it and I said, man, what are you doing here? He said, man, I can't do this anymore. I cannot run any longer. I don't know what God has had you doing, but I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of running from the Lord. I've seen the change that's happened in your life, and, and I thought that when I graduated with, from college that I would actually be somebody, and I would feel different, and I would, I would have it all together in my life, but I don't have it any more together than I did before I started. He said, and I really don't think money's going to solve it. Please, I can't run from God any longer. And I said, you need Jesus in your life, bud. You know, we prayed at Fox Valley, and his life changed forever. People need you to lead them to Jesus. People need you to pray. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Don't underestimate a prayer list and what kind of power that has. For whatever reason, Lord, I know you got the power to tell people about you. I know you have the desire to tell people about you. But you've chosen miserable people like us to lead others to Jesus. God, use us. Use this church to be a movement of hope and lead people to you. Lord, we need you. Others need you. Help us, Father. We've got two points this morning. If we're going to live the belief that anyone can find Jesus, number one, we've got to bear some burdens. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. We're going to have to choose some things not to do in order to lead people to Him. We've got to bear people's burdens. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Everybody say carrying. They lifted him. They hoisted him. They carried him to Jesus. There's people in your life that need you to carry them to Jesus. Come on. Drive-by witnessing don't work. <laughs> People are so skeptical today. They need to know that you care. They, they need to know that you care. They, they need to know that, that you're going to invest in their life. I was witnessing in Washington Square Park one time in New York City. And... Uh, Pastor Sims just had this wild idea that we should go, go witness in Washington Square Park, probably not the safest place in the world. <laughs> but we were going to tell people about Jesus, and so we began to tell people about the Lord, and one person after another, we prayed and led several people to the Lord. Well, it's getting towards the end of the day, and it's getting dusk, and these three men, grown big men, come up to me, and this one in the middle says, Give me all your money. For whatever dumb reason, I looked him in the eye and I said, no. What was I thinking? I should have just pulled my cash out and handed it to him. I said, no, I worked too hard for my money. You're not getting it. And he goes, what? He goes, well, he looks at the two guys beside him. He said, 
Well, look, man, just give me $5. I need a joint. <laughs> and the two guys look at him dumbfounded. They just walk off. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. I don't need a joint. He said, I need $5 so I can buy me a hot dog. And I said, well, I'll go buy you a hot dog, man. Come on. Let's go buy a hot dog. He said, no, 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 no. He says, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> He said, it's getting cold. My mother's going to be worried about me. I need money so I can buy a subway ticket to get back home. I live in Brooklyn. I said, well, let's go. I'll buy you a subway ticket. He goes, that's a deal. And I said, well, sit down first and let me talk to you for just a minute. And I began to share the gospel message with this guy that tried to mug me in Washington Square Park. And for whatever dumb reason, I told him no. He couldn't have my money. And now I've turned, flipped the script on him and I'm witnessing to him. The guy breaks down and he starts crying. And he says, guy, he says, I know this is a divine appointment from the Lord. Well, you don't say that unless you've been in church. <laughs> you don't use those kind of words, divine appointments. He said, I know this was a divine appointment. I just got out of Rikers yesterday. And I hooked back up with these guys in my life. And while I was in prison, I gave my life to Jesus. And the Lord sent you here to remind me that my life has been changed. You know, I, we were going to Brooklyn Tabernacle that, that night. If you've never heard the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, oh my goodness. I got to hear them live and in person. <laughs> well, I asked this guy to go to church with us, and he rides the subway to Brooklyn with us. I pay for his ticket, and he goes to church with us that night. Come on, people need you to make a way so that they can find Jesus. I was in the right place at the right time, all right? I, I didn't do anything. There was nothing in my power that, that set that appointment up. God set up an appointment for me to be in New York City in Washington Square Park at that time of day to meet a guy who had been in prison, who had met Jesus. In that moment, his life changed forever. Why? <laughs> Because somebody was willing to tell another individual about Jesus. By the way, I don't encourage you to tell somebody no when they're, they're trying to mug you. These guys, they made a way. They made a way for their friend. Come on, there's people that are hurting. That are hurting. They need you to listen. There's, pers there's people that are having a baby that need a shower. Somebody's mom has died and they need you to be at their funeral. Somebody's sick and they need a meal. Can I tell you that, that I really underestimated the importance of meals? My daughter had back surgery about two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. And people from our church brought us meals for like two weeks. I'm going, we'll never eat all of this food. And so some of it we put in the freezer and froze and would pull out and and cook it and look that's hard to do for two years but for two weeks people took care of us and that that was really important and that ministered to me last year my dad died and his funeral was in Dallas Texas Do you know I had two friends one that I led to the Lord at Fox Valley Apartments the same guy they show up at the funeral unannounced they drive all the way to Dallas a 10-hour drive why would somebody do that because they cared. Actions speak so loud. 
If you'll show somebody that you care, their ears will open so that they can hear Jesus. Come on, we're a movement of hope. We live the belief at Kingwood Church that anyone can find Jesus. Number two, you've got to break some rules. Come on, you ever broken any rules in your life? How many of you's mother told you you have to wait 30 minutes after you eat to swim? I never waited 30 minutes. <laughs> Not one time did I wait 30 minutes in order to swim. Anybody ever not worn a motorcycle helmet while riding a motorcycle? That's pretty dumb, but I've done it. When we were in Louisiana, Corey and I had a motorcycle, and I didn't even have a DOT helmet tie. I had one of these little plastic play helmets that I put on my head that was so light. I don't know what I was thinking, but I've broken some rules in my life. Anybody ever not worn a seatbelt in your car? Like, man, I don't want to wrinkle my shirt. Corey will tell me all the time, Jason, do you not hear the car bell going off about your seatbelt? I hadn't heard it one time. <laughs> and Toyotas, oh my goodness. You get in a Toyota and don't buckle up, it dings from, from start to finish. Ding, 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 ding. I don't want to buckle up. If I wanted to buckle up, I would, okay? I do buckle up. I've broken some rules. Anybody ever ran with scissors in your hand? That's a bad idea. Don't run with scissors in your hand. What about, what about running with a sucker in your mouth? You ever done that? Man, the first thing I do when I get a blow pop is I, I pull the stick off of it. I can't, that's so dangerous. Anybody ever sniffed a lot of magic markers? I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> Come on, we've all broken some rules. Sometimes it's okay to do things that you're not supposed to do to lead them to Jesus, okay? I'll do anything short of sinning to lead somebody to Jesus. Come on, we've invested Hundreds of thousands of dollars in camera equipment so that people can discover Kingwood Church. So that people can hear the messages of Kingwood Church. So that people can find hope. Why? Because people need Jesus. We'll do anything short of sin to lead people to Jesus. Amen? Amen. I had a student from our church that wanted to go to New Orleans during Mardi Gras with us. And Corey and I went 14 years in a row to Mardi Gras. And it wasn't to party. It was talk to people about Jesus. And we would line up on Bourbon Street with about 300 people. And you could not walk down Bourbon Street and not hear the message of Jesus. We'd have 300 people, 300 students that were in college that would come each year to tell people about Jesus. Well, on one of these trips, one of the students that I was with 
he starts talking to this guy, and the guy goes, look, man, I'm in a hurry. I don't have time to stand here and listen to your nonsense. And the, the kid goes, well, just wait, just wait, just a minute. Let me, let me talk to you. He goes, my brother is in the hospital on life support right now. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear what you have to say. God don't care. And boldness rose up inside of this kid, and I wish I had this kind of boldness. He said, what if I prayed for your brother right now? And he came off of life support. Would you believe in God then? Man, that's a bold statement. You better know that you're right when you say something like that. <laughs> he stops and prays with this guy. And as soon as he says amen, the phone rings. And his mother's on the other end, and she's weeping, crying. And she says, son, your brother just woke up. What? Are you serious? The guy grabs cocaine out of his pocket, throws it on the ground, and smears it on Bourbon Street. And he ends up giving his life to the Lord. Come on, people need us. God's chosen to use us. We must live the belief that anyone can find Jesus. On Bourbon Street, a guy carrying cocaine in his pocket, that's the person you're going to lead to Jesus? Come on, Jesus ate with sinners. He hung out with prostitutes. People need you in order to find Jesus. You know, a few hundred years ago, the church was the center of culture. culture. They were the center of creativity. The church set the culture for, for, their, for their nation. The church drove the arts. It was the center of the city. It influenced people heavily. What organization is better equipped to get the word out than the church? Come on, we're equipped to do it. We've got to do it. We must do it. You know, sometimes I think we're just satisfied to delegate stuff like creativity to Apple. And our social lives, we just delegate that to Facebook. We've allowed our government to meet the needs of the poor. It's no longer the church's issue. Do you know that, that the church took care of the poor for hundreds and thousands of years? It was the church's job. In the book of Acts, they created a crew of folks that did nothing but look after the widows. Come on, it's your job. It's your job. It's your job. It's your job. Go take care of them. Go feed them. Make sure they got meals. Make sure they're taken care of. Church, it's time to stop delegating and start taking responsibility and live the belief that anyone can find Jesus. You know, I don't want the title Christian to be second rate. Do you realize this is a reality? Our world is distancing itself more and more and more from the church. Oh, you go to church? <laughs> I don't want anything to do with you. Why do they feel that way? 
Maybe it's because the church is below five and leaning towards apathy more than it is towards passion about leading people to Jesus. Where do you fall on the scale? Lord, I, Lord, I want to be, be 10. I want to be where you're at, Jesus. I want to do what you've asked me to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Let's, let's read that one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. I know I've, I've thrown you guys a curveball upstairs, but you caught up. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, everybody say us, the task of reconciling people to him. We cannot be a movement of hope if we do not live the belief that anyone, that everyone can find Jesus. Church, do you know how satisfying it is on the month that we have water baptism to stand in the foyer of our church and hear the cheers, the, the rally cry when someone gets baptized? Come on, the old is gone and the new has come. You know, there's people out there that need resurrection. The old is gone. The new has come. When you lead somebody to Christ, their life changes forever. They need you to lead them to Jesus. I'm closing with this. We've got to change the world's perspective. Why? Because we want to. Why? Because we have to. It's a command from God himself to reconcile people to Jesus. I see a church full of people today. Come on, we don't judge people who don't have Christ. We lead them to him. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick, for the unrighteous, for the unworthy, for the sinners. Man, it's, it's easy to invite somebody to church that's had a church background, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to invite someone to church or lead someone to Jesus that's a sinner. I know what we're asking is a tough task. I know what I'm preaching today is tough. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's not fun all the time. You know what is fun, though? When you look back years later and you go, man, their life changed forever. I'm sitting here. I see faces. I know some of your stories. I know what God's brought you through. Don't you know there's others out there that need a story? They need you to lead them to Jesus. All right, last question. It's this. Who do you know? Who's God laying on your heart right now? Who, who's God calling you to live the belief for that they can find Jesus? Who's that person? Let's pray. Lord, 
challenge us today. If we don't do it, Father, they're not going to hear. If we don't go, if we don't lift our eyes and, 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 and sing about you, Lord, if we don't tell people about Jesus, they're not going to find you. Father, today there's people's names that you've placed on our hearts. Help us, Lord. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to do your work. Baptize us, Lord, with the fire of the Holy Spirit that would urge us, Lord, that would, that would, that would teach us and lead us and engage us to minister to others. Lord, we need you. We need your Spirit's power. And today, Father, I pray for the individual that's on people's hearts today that they're going to find you because at Kingwood Church we live the belief that anyone can find Jesus. And we thank you for that. In your name this morning, amen.